Thank them, uh, everybody, for being here with us on our final day uh, with Coach Johnson. Uh, Coach Johnson will speak on the 10 steps in building a winning culture through intention. Uh, before we hear from Coach Johnson, uh, as in previous, I ask if anybody has any questions to please ask those questions in the chat section, and we'll make this as interactive as possible. And as a reminder, per NCAA rules, no prospects can be on this call individually or with a coach. And with that, I will hand it over to our head men's basketball coach, Stan Johnson. Okay, guys, um, thanks for being with us today. Really, really uh, appreciate it. Um, hopefully you guys have uh, been on uh, our other calls with uh, my three assistants. I thought they did a tremendous job the last three days talking about special team situations, um, offense and, and, and defense. Um, they've been incredible. Uh, Two weeks ago, we we spent a lot of time on here talking about all of our journeys, uh, which I, I felt everybody did a great job of, um, of trying to articulate that being raw and, and, and real uh, and sharing that with everyone who joined us then. Um, I will say this to this group and, and people who know me, uh, I, I do see some familiar faces out here. Shout out to Ricky Johns. Um, you know, the people who know me know I'm, I'm pretty black and white with a lot of things. And uh, as I continue on my journey, I want to be someone who always shares and who's always blunt and who's always real and who's always transparent in terms of knowledge and the things that I've gained. I think sometimes with coaching clinics, um, we get on here and we can say a lot of nicey things and but we hide, we hide the good stuff because we want to keep it. There's nothing that I want to keep from anybody here. Uh, I'm constantly learning. And in my journey, you know, I didn't really have somebody who really gave me all they had either. You know, they showed me with their actions, which is important, but in terms of structure and, uh, and how you think, uh, you know, no one ever sat me down and said, hey, man, here's all my stuff, take it. You know, I've, I've taken what I've gotten from everybody I've been with, you know? So today, as we talk about the 10 steps in building a winning culture through intention, I want you guys to know every job that I've prepared for, or have I, as, I, as I've built my, uh, what I call my blueprint, which is my program. And I, was, I didn't just have that when I got on the job, I'd been working that for like the last seven years. And the culture piece, Although I can't give you everything today from a time standpoint, I do want you to know what I'm giving you is what I have. It's what I'm doing. And it's, it's what we're trying to implement right now. I'm not veering off from that. I'm not telling you something that I'm not doing. I'm not trying to sugarcoat everything. So everything you're going to get today are things that I'm doing. It's things I've believed in. It's things I've seen. Um, and it's, currently what our staff is trying to put in. And I want to say this to you guys on here. This is my, um, these are my thoughts. It doesn't mean I'm right, but I'm telling you right now, for me, culture is better than any and more important than any play you can draw up. Culture is more important than any play you can draw up. And I'm a firm believer, the better your culture, 
the better your plays are going to be. And in 18 years in this business, I can honestly tell you, I am shocked. I am shocked how unintentional a lot of people are as it pertains to culture. And I'm shocked how we spend such little time on culture. And when things start to break down, because they're always going to break down for all of us, whether you're a high school coach, a college coach, an assistant coach, during the season, things are going to break down. I'm always amazed how we always think, well, I got to add a new play. We're quick to go back to the plays. We're quick to go back to the system. And I'm not telling you that sometimes it's not the play or not the system that needs to be fixed or tweaked. What I'm saying, usually when there's a breakdown, it's a culture breakdown. And I don't care where you're at, man, right now. And you guys know it. And there's some of you guys are saying, well, I'm not a head coach. There's some of you guys that are saying, I, well, I, I don't lead. Guess what? Yes, you do. Everybody on this call is leading, number one, yourself. All of us on this call have friend groups that we are associated with. What's the culture within your friendships? All of us have families. Culture doesn't only pertain to, to, to our program. It, can, it, it, it pertains to your life. And in the next few minutes, I, I hope to, to cover what I believe in and how I think you have to build a winning culture. I want to say this before I get into my 10 steps that I'm going to give you. Um, number one, all our notes, my notes, everything that I'm going to say to you, for the most part, I'm going to email to you. So if you don't want to you know, take notes, you don't have to, you will get it in an email form. Uh, but if you came to LMU right now and you sat in my office and you said, Coach, can you pull up your, uh, your philosophy on culture? This would be a series in there. All right. So the thing I want to start with for you guys, you know, great leaders um, create great culture. It is the number one priority of the leader to create a culture of greatness. How do you do that? Number one, for me, like, before we get into the 10 steps, people follow the leader first. His or her vision is second. I'm just saying for me, like, and I want, to, I want to begin by saying, like, you're looking at an imperfect human being right now. So the things that I'm saying are not of judgment. Because I'm sure people, a lot of people can look at me and go, well, you didn't do boom, 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 boom. And they're right. So this is not about being perfect. But I want everybody on the screen to understand, people follow the leader first. And his or her vision second. So... You can have the greatest vision, but if people don't believe in you or the things you have on that wall, you don't, your actions don't back that, guess what? They're not going to follow your vision. They're following you. Nothing is more important and more difficult than the culture, than getting your culture right. Nothing is more important and more difficult than to get the culture right. And I just alluded to it. Culture isn't like nice words on the wall. It, it's not how, it, it's not like, you know what, let's, let's have a barbecue today with the team. 
let's have movie night. Are those part of the culture? Sure. Culture is, is, is how you live every single day. So you, get, you may be sitting there going, okay, well, why, why are you saying that culture is more important than the plays that we run? Because I believe culture drives behaviors. Behaviors drive habits. And then your habits drive the results. Once again, culture drives behaviors. Behaviors drive habits. Habits drive results. Three principles of creating of uh, 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 three principles of creating a culture of greatness that I believe in. You you must. Okay, you must. This is a must. You must expect great things to happen, even during challenging times. Think about what we're in right now. Think about all that's going on in the world right now. And I would tell you more so than ever, leadership, whether it's in your family, whether it's in terms of government, whether it's in terms of programs, leadership right now is so critical and people are searching for it. <clears throat> and all of us right now have every excuse to go negative. But everybody in your life is watching us on this screen. What are your expectations right now? Do you expect great things to happen or is it woe is me? I'm telling you right now, I expect great things to happen. One of the things I talk about right now is even through this pandemic, with everything going on, how can we win the weight? How can we find pockets where we can win? I have expectations of greatness. I expect when we get out of this for LMU basketball to be further ahead than it ever has been prior to even learning about COVID, okay? You must expect your people to be their best. Don't settle for anything less than excellence. I have guys on this call who have gotten to know me, Michael Harris, who's in charge of marketing, Matthew Lerman, who's in charge of our sports information. Like I've said to them, like, and to everybody, not them specifically, but if you want to be around me, if you want to be around our program, I'm going to demand excellence from you every single day. The guys in our program, I'm going to demand excellence from them. My assistant coaches, I'm going to demand excellence from them. Every single thing matters. Demand excellence. The last piece of the, the, the three principles for me is you have to coach you have to train and you have to develop, okay? Your organization and all the employees to be their best. Sometimes, man, people are around and they just don't know what they're capable of. Or they don't understand, they have another level to go to. My best player right now, Eli Scott, who I love, by the way, absolutely love. Second team all league. 17 and seven can play anywhere in the country. And he would sit here and tell you, and I've told him that ain't enough. And if you're okay being second team in the WCC in, instead of trying to shoot for being the best player in the league, we're not on the same page. And I, I owe it to you 
to get the best out of you. You think that's your best, but you have another level you can go to. Same with everybody that comes in contact with our program. And by the way, as the leader, I want the same things. I want to be held accountable. I want to be held accountable. I want to be better than what I think I am as well. And we have to be open to that. So step one, here's step one as, as we get into this. As we talk about building a culture, it is ultimately responsible. I mean, it is, it is critical. It is critical. You must know who you are and what you believe in. That's number one. Like all of us on this call, we're all different. Everybody here is different. What is it that you believe in? What is it that you can live up to? To get the culture started, you got to believe in it, man. And you got to show it. And you got to be a part of it. And you got to be willing to jump in the hole with people. So whoever you are, whatever it is that you think you believe in, you got to live it. You got to show it. You got to be a part of it. And you got to jump in the hole with people. How do you do that? Don't wait to earn your leadership. Impose it. I didn't come to, to LMU and you know what? I'm going to just kind of sit around and I'm going to try to figure it out and I'm going to try to earn it. You know, no, I'm going to impose my leadership. You, you got to impose your leadership. The things you believe in, you got to impose it. Do your actions match your words? You want to know the fastest way to lose a team in an organization? Do your actions match your words? Now, that being said, does that mean you're going to be perfect? No, we all make mistakes. But I'm just telling you, in my 18 years of coaching, in my 18 years of coaching, nothing has frustrated me more than watching somebody get in front of a team or have being on a staff maybe or with somebody who has all these nice writings on the wall, family, commitment, discipline, unselfishness. Let's just go to unselfishness. You got unselfishness on your word, on, on your wall, and it's a core principle of your program, but there's nothing about you that says unselfishness. In fact, you're the most selfish person out there. Fastest way to lose somebody. And that's what I'm going back to. If you're not a um, selfless person, don't make that part of your, your deal. Because eventually who you are is going to come out through your actions. And that's why I said, you must know who you are, man. The other thing, are you willing to fight for your culture every day? And that's a question. Are you truly willing to fight for your culture? Because whatever culture that you envision, guess what? The people around you, they don't have that same vision. You got to fight for that thing every single day. And every detail matters. Matthew's on here. Okay? And I'm not saying I do everything right. I'm just sharing with you my flaws. I'm sharing with you what I've learned. I'm not, I'm not by any stretch perfect. So this morning, 
Okay, Matthews, our SID, over the weekend, I'm constantly studying our program. I'll go through our website, look at the pictures, the bios, of this, everything. And I, I, I use the weekends to study different things. And I'm looking at our pictures, I'm going, I don't like it. My tie is crooked. Um, you know, we got guys wearing different things. It just, it didn't look good. So this morning, our whole staff went back and we redid our, our, uh, our bio page. That's part of the culture, man. It matters. It matters. Treat people with respect regardless of title or position. Again, fastest way to lose people, all right? If somebody has a great title, we talk to them differently. When the janitor comes in, we talk to him differently and we're disrespectful to him. Our players see all that. Our players see all that. The smartest people in our programs are our players. So you treat him differently than you treat the AD. You treat the strength coach differently than you treat the president. Treat people with respect, regardless of title or position. And the last thing on step one, be someone worthy of following. The thing I love about the mirror is whatever we see in that mirror, we, we, we know it's true. We can't lie to each other or we can't lie to ourselves. Are you somebody worthy of following? And to be someone worthy of following, you have to do the things that I just said. Step two, develop your process in order to get the outcome you want. What is your process? You know, for me, and I'm not going to get into my whole process because we don't have time, but like mission, vision, core principles. What, what's your mission? What's your vision? What's your core principles? Is it easy to remember? I've been on, I've been places where, again, here's our mission, here's our core principles, here's this, here's that, right? But the minute you ask the players, <clears throat> hey, what's our vision of a, as a program? What's our mission statement? What's our core principles? They can't, they can't say it back to you. If somebody cannot articulate clearly the culture that you have, that you think you're installing, you don't have a culture. So for me right now, even in this pandemic, we have three things, okay? In terms of our core principles. One, selfless. What does that mean? I've, I've said it last week, okay? LM over you. Loyola Marymount over you. Two, connected. What does that mean? Relationships before championship. Three, relentless. What does that mean? Attack everything. Guess what? That's great if I know that. If my players don't know that, if my assistant coaches don't know that, if the people that touch our program don't know that, we don't have a culture. So like a month ago, like I always do, I'm calling our guys at night. At the end of the, each conversation, they didn't know what was coming. And I would say, hey, real quick, before we get off the phone, guys, hey, uh, Joe, what's our, what's our core principle? What's the three core principles of our program? And I can tell you that I think we had two guys that nailed it exactly what, how I just said it. And I wasn't mad that they didn't know that yet. But like the, the saying goes, you haven't coached and you haven't taught until they've learned. Guess what? 
They didn't, they didn't understand that. They didn't know that. You know what that told me? I have to spend more time drilling that. That's got to be more, that's got to be, that's got to become a part of my process. So I'm using those words when we are talking about scouting. I'm using those words in team meetings. I'm using those words in individual meetings. You know, as, as we have timeouts, you know, we're going to use those words. In my administrative meetings, we're using those words. I just got sent something yesterday where they wanted me to put a quote on there and they needed a quote for me and someone said, hey, are you okay with, with this quote? And we're gonna send it out. And I changed the quote because I wanted those three things in there. It's gotta be part of what you do. Whatever you believe in, it's gotta be in the areas too where you have the most traffic, where your players are going through and seeing. Even in my house, okay? In my house, as you go down the stair stairway, from upstairs every morning, I have where I can see it, and I intentionally did that. There's a sign that says, dreams weigh more than your excuses. I put that there because every morning before I go and I get in that car, I want to see that. That's a message to me. That again, today, you, can, you have every reason to make an excuse, but your dreams weigh a hell of a lot more. Be intentional about the placement or the, where, you're, where you're placing your messaging. My next thing, be proactive, be proactive, be proactive. Do not be reactive. What do I mean by that? I don't know how many of you guys on here, you know, like, the season's going good. Things are going really good. And, uh, you know, we're not paying any attention to culture. We're not paying any attention to maybe um, team building stuff, feel good exercises. But the minute we lose two or three games, what's the first thing that everybody wants to do? Man, maybe we should take the guys bowling. Maybe instead of practicing today, we should play wiffle ball. That's a reactive way of building your culture. I would challenge you before it gets to that point, why not do that after you've won three or four games in a row? Because you know what message you send to your players or your employees or whoever? Oh, we're only doing that now because things are in the negative. Things are in the red. Be proactive. That should be a part of what you do. So if you're winning, you do it, and people don't look at you differently. If you're losing, you do it, and they still know that's a part of what we do. Be proactive. I'll give you one example of my, my, my process as well, okay? So like today, we're gonna meet with our team at uh, 2, 2.15 here Pacific Coast time. I always have an agenda. So here's part of my process and how we continue to build culture at LMU. The first five minutes, every single team meeting, okay? I start with an academic update. And on that academic update, it's only highlights. So if a guy's not doing well, I'm not going to address that there. But for example, today we have two guys that got two A's in their psych quizzes. I'm going to bring that up in front of the team. And I want to promote all the good things that are happening academically because all of a sudden now, if you're sitting there, you're like, man, whew, coach has been here three, four months. I haven't heard, he hasn't, he hasn't called my name. And I'm focusing on something positive. 
but also I'm sending a message that the most important thing we do is academics, which is the first thing that I talk about. The next five minutes, right? We'll do a, a, a fun break the ice exercise. So like last week, my, my question to them was, uh, who's your celebrity crush? And I gave everybody 30 seconds, we went around the room. Today, it's gonna be, if you couldn't play basketball, what other sport you would play and why? That, you know, we'll go around the room and do that. The next five minutes or six minutes, we'll address something from a social injustice standpoint. You know, something going on in the world or some history. A couple weekends ago, John Lewis passed away. Well, guess what? Our guys didn't even know who John Lewis was. And last week, that gave me an opportunity to introduce him to them. This week, we're going to talk about Texas Western, 1966, beating Kentucky. I guarantee you our guys don't know that. Maybe a couple of them know Glory Road, but we've touched that. We'll take 15 minutes today. I'm going to introduce to them uh, our flow game, which is our, our motion, um, our, really our, our offense. I'm going to do that where they see it on film, where we have a teaching video, and then I have a highlight video putting it all together, how it looks. Then we're going to spend the next five minutes talking about relentless. And my question to them, because again, relentless is the third thing, which means attack everything, right? So what have you seen since last week that was relentless? Somebody in your life, what have you done that's relentless? Once again, that's a way for us to talk about our culture so they understand those words. So the next time I ask them, they know. Selfless, connected, relentless, right? And then the last thing is a review and preview of the next week, and I, we call it tilt. T-I-L-T. Today I learned that. It's a review of what we just went over. So when they walk out of that Zoom, they've taken something with them. So that's, that's kind of, kind of a, an example of one way um, I control our process here. Step three, how you select people is far more important than how you manage them once they're on the job. Okay, how you select people is far more important than how you manage them once they're on the job. Whether it's recruiting, whether you're hiring, whether you're picking a wife, whether you're picking a girlfriend, whatever. How you select somebody is far more important than how you manage them. I've seen this mistake countless times in, in, in recruiting. You know what? You start off, man, we need a guy that can really, really, really get in the paint and, and make plays off the dribble. We have one scholarship. We really need that. You go out, all of a sudden you see a guy that can shoot lights out. Man, woo. But he can really shoot. We can help him become more of a creator. You take that guy, you get him. Guess what? You can, he can only get so much better being a creator. You got a shooter. All right? As you, as you evaluate character, ah, well, you know, he's really, really talented. We can help him. But you've been saying that character is one of the most important things of your program, but yet you've gone out and you've taken a guy who maybe is not a high character kid. And I'm not saying you shouldn't give other guys chances, but now he's in your program or she's in your program. And guess what? You have issues. It's all about selection. Remember, the people are the culture. The people are the culture. And we have to nurture. We have to nurture our culture. We got to put more focus in the root of the culture 
which are the people, than the fruit of the culture, which is results. And what happens oftentimes, we always focus on the outcome, the result. And I'm saying to you guys, if we spent more time on the root, people, the fruit is going to be better. I would tell you as, you, as we talk about selecting people, talent is not enough. Don't just add people who have talent. It's not, who, it's not about who has the best rep or who has the most talent. It's more about who understands what it takes to succeed and who works at it the hardest. Do you have to have talent? Yes. But I would, as I'm hiring assistant coaches, I would take a lesser talent assistant coach that works his butt off or her butt off and understands what it takes to succeed than somebody who's a great speaker, can really, really talk their way out of stuff, but is a non-worker. Same is true in terms of putting a team together. Talent is important, but it's not enough. Get people on your team that share the same goals and passion as you do. Because if you know how to push those people to their highest level, I promise you we're all going to succeed. And I've done that around me. I hired two guys that were head coaches at some big time places. I fired two young guys that I believe are going to be stars. Because first of all, they aligned in terms of the things that I believe in and my goals. And I know that when I push and I'm push them, they're going to get to their highest level. And when they get to their highest level, guess what? We're going to succeed. But I also know when they push me to my highest level, we're going to succeed. That's important. The last piece of that would would be be around people you can lose with, man. Be, be around people you can lose with. And I've been telling our team this, and I've told everybody, I want to know who I can lose with. And that's not only my team. Like being here, I'm evaluating everybody that touches our program externally. Are you thinking about your job and how it impacts LMU basketball? Because during the season, when I can't put as much attention to it, I want to know that the guys that are in positions externally to help our program are thinking about ways to make us better. And if you're not doing that, I don't want to be around you. And I don't want to lose with you. I want to lose with people I can look at and go, you know what? I know you're giving your best and you know I'm giving my best. The other thing I would add to that, and this is a simple rule I have. I have three kids at home. My daughter, Brooklyn, is um, 11. Miles is going to be 10 in August, and Braylon is five. And as it pertains to recruiting, and my, I have assistant coaches that have kids, and I know for my kids, they look up to my players. I'm not going to get anybody, we're not going to recruit anybody to be a part of our program that my three kids cannot look up to. So as I'm evaluating you, you're going to be in my home. If my kids and our kids can't look up to you, you can't be on our team. Once again, be around people you can lose with, but have people around that your kids can look up to. Number four, over-communicate. This is a huge thing. Over-communicate. It amazes me. I've been at 18, I mean, nine different institutions in 18 years 
it's amazing the most consistent place where there is slippage is in communication and i don't really understand it because the key to any successful family team organization is communication real communication where you're real where you're transparent where you're authentic and i found when you get into corporate america you get in these positions right people don't want to be real why we're worried about our jobs we're worried what somebody how someone's going to perceive me or it's well you know what i sent johnny an email 10 days ago he didn't respond what well, did you follow that up with the phone call and my staff will tell you i'm i'm big on this we're going to over communicate and if you sent me a text uh wednesday night guess what thursday morning in our 9 30 meetings we're going to talk about that if there's an email we're going to talk about that but you have to over communicate communicating is not enough everybody's got to be on the same page you can't work in a silo and when you're going to communicate be transparent be real be authentic i've had times in my career right and i've had to tell a couple guys well a couple people i worked with like you know you have these end of year meetings or even during the course of a season hey coach listen it can even be privately i think we should do this if if i were you i would do this based on this information and there's some guys you're going to work for or work with they're not going to like that and i've had to come back and go listen I, I have a question for you like what do you think is easiest for me you're paying me a good buck you are i can collect my paycheck i could be a yes man i can take that paycheck and i can go home and never say anything to you that would be the easy route it's much harder for me to come in here and tell you something that may be painful or may hurt or you may look at me and go man that you know where, where is he coming from with this that that may strain our relationship but i'm doing that because i love you and i care about you and i want us to win and that's what i'm talking about so many people don't speak up or say the truth because they're so protective of themselves well then guess what you're not worried about winning it's about you and that's a selfish trait and I understand we all have bosses and people who don't want that. And I would encourage you, the minute you can find a way to get out, get out of that situation. Because that's a losing situation. And you're not going to grow. And that's not going to lead to a sustainable culture. The other thing I would say about communication, especially as it pertains to me, like everyone voice matters. If, 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 if you came here right now and you asked people who have just met me, I think sometimes they're shocked because I ask, what's your opinion? Even if you're not on our staff, what do you think? Like, I really want to know. I can't do it alone. I don't want to do it alone. What do you think? Guess what, though? Asking somebody what they think, that's powerful. There's people in so many corporations just floating around. And they feel so unimportant because people don't ask them, hey, what do you think? But I'll also say to that, I listen to everybody's voice, but everybody's voice is not equal. And that's a mistake, too. We don't all have the same. It's not all equal because there are people, even on my staff, that are stronger in some areas than others. I was the same. I am the same. 
There are things I'm stronger in that I'm not as strong in. So to, to take somebody's opinion who may be not very advanced in a certain area and take that as truth, that's a mistake. That doesn't mean you shouldn't listen to them, but that should not carry more weight than someone who is an expert. And I think that mistake is made not only in collegiate sports, in businesses and corporations. That is a culture killer. But sometimes as leaders, we'll listen to the person who agrees with us the most because that makes us feel good rather than taking information that may sting but is beneficial for us long-term. My other rule here is no opinions without research. Like, I don't care to hear your opinion if it's just an opinion. You believe that? Show me the facts. Data should back how you feel. We all have opinions. But opinions without research is deadly. The last thing on that, no water cooler conversation. Nothing kills a, a culture more than that. Nothing pisses me off more than that. Water cooler conversations. And for our staff, you know, I, I just shared with you guys, I'm very open. Like when we, when we meet, I want to hear everybody's voices. If I'm going to give you that platform and you don't say anything and you walk away from that and now I'm not around or your head coach is not around, you haven't voiced your opinion and now you're over there by the water cooler and you're having side conversations, you are a culture killer. Now that's much different than I voiced my opinion. I've said what I believe and I'm still talking about that with a teammate. That's different. At least you voiced it. I've worked with people, you sit in these meetings, they don't say one word. And then you walk out of the meeting and they're going from office to office having side conversations. That's wrong. And I would challenge each and every one of you, if you're in that position, stop it. Say, you know what? I hear you. I'm not with that. If you have something to say, say it in the meeting, say it in front of everybody. That strengthens your culture. Number five. Quality, quality leaders build successful organizations that, that build successful organizations understand the importance of recognizing the behaviors of players and employees that they want modeled in their program. I'm going to say that again. Quality leaders that build successful organizations understand the importance of recognizing, recognizing the behaviors of their players, employees that they want modeled in their programs. For me, nothing is more upsetting, right? We've been in the film room and we've been killing this guy. Man, the guy won't block out. He won't block out. He won't block out. He won't block out. He won't block out. And you've been on him. You've been on him. You've been on him. You get on the floor. The guy has a great block out. You don't say anything. When someone does something that you want exhibited in your organization, say that. You should now be the biggest cheerleader of that. That can't go unnoticed. And I say this like each employee, each player, all the people around us in our families, everybody has an emotional piggy bank. If you want to get on people in your organization, on your teams, which I, I deem that, you know, taking or making a, with, uh, a withdrawal. If you're going to make a withdrawal from the bank, 
you better have some money in the bank. If you're going to make an emotional withdrawal from somebody, you better have some, you better have some money in that bank. You got to make sure you make deposits, man. Positive reinforcement. Put positive reinforcement in there. And my, my thing is, you got you to gotta, you gotta love them tough. Love tough. Love tough before you, before you can be tough on them and show them tough love. How do you do that? Simple, man. I'm. I'm or we're proud of you. I or we believe in you. Man, that was impressive. Thank you. We want or need you to step up and be a leader. That's a great job. And here's why. We expect more out of you. I, we know that you can beat him. You can beat him. You're better than that. Yes, that's exactly how we teach it. We love the way you responded here in that adversity. Way to be coachable. I see you working. I see you. Man, I appreciate your attitude. You bring every day. And more importantly, guess what, man? We love you. People need that. Pour into the piggy bank. Number six, be accountable and hold everyone to the same standard. Be accountable and hold everyone to the same standard. For me, I'm a big believer. Like the people I believe in the most, I'm hardest on. I'm gonna coach my, my best players the hardest. Because when you do that, people fall in line. The rest of your team falls in line. You wanna know how to lose a team fast? Let your best player get away with everything. Does that mean I'm gonna treat everybody the same? No, he's gonna have a little more freedom. But if you're gonna get all the credit and you're gonna be in the LA Times when we do well and you're getting all the interviews and you're doing all that, guess what? When we lose and things are going, going great, guess what, I'm coming after you. And, and people respect that. As the leader, admit when you're wrong, it's okay. And, and I, I, I really hope, and again, the reason I put the people around me, even Ricky, I see Ricky on here, my ops guy, Ricky can put me in check. You know why? Because we have a relationship. Ricky has freedom to come here and go, hey, coach, I think you're off here, man. And then if someone does that, I have to be able to go, you know what? You're right. I'm wrong. Just because you have a, diff, a, a, a title doesn't mean you can't be wrong. I'm wrong a lot. And again, in my 18 years, the guys I respected the most were the ones that when they made a mistake or they were off and say, you know what, man, my bad. And they could say that in front of their team. You know what? That draws a greater bond. Most guys are afraid to do that because they think the team's going to go, oh, man, I don't know. Look at Coach. He, wow, he screwed up. No, that draws you closer. Have clear guidelines and have clear deadlines. For example, if I give a project, there's always a deadline. There's no in-between. If, if you're going to have guidelines, you better be very clear. Don't try to hold somebody to something that is not clear. If it's in the gray area, you're losing that battle. Have clear guidelines, have clear deadlines that everybody's held accountable for. 
I'm not going to go through it, but I will, it will be in the attachment so you guys can see it in our program. We have what I call below the line or above the line behavior. As a student, as a player, and as a person. It's very clear. And that's terminology we, lose, we use. Guess what, man? Here's our sheet. That is below the line behavior. It's very clear. So be clear in your guidelines. Number seven, value the power of confrontation. I'm going to say that again because everybody, a lot of people run from this. Value the power of confrontation within your organization. And here's the, here's the beauty of it. Confrontation does not mean putting someone down. Confrontation oftentimes has such a negative connotation. It does not mean putting someone down. If you want to get the most out of people, you're going to have to apply pressure. The one thing that most people respond to is that. And there's a way to go about it. And I'm just saying with me and how I'm doing it, I'm applying pressure around our program. And I'm not running from confrontation. And there is a way to go about it. But if you're not unwilling to have confrontation, you can't grow. And doing this for a long time, the thing I've gotten and thing I've learned, people want a direct approach. That doesn't mean they always like it. They don't like what you're saying. They don't always love it. But I think they find that it's much more valuable to them to have a leader who's absolutely clear and open rather than having somebody that talks in circles. Be direct and be open, man. People respect that. Creating pressure in the organization requires confrontation. It requires it. I've seen countless coaches, I've seen leaders avoid confrontation with their players, with their employees, because they don't like conflict. Well, guess what? Culture killer. And again, in that moment, you're making it about you. You're not making it about the organization or that player. Because sometimes the player is going to need confrontation to grow. And what you'd be shocked, if you do it right, that player is going to come back and go, Coach, I'm so glad you did, for me. you did that to me. I've never had that. That's a moment of change. And if you have a relationship and you've invested in the piggy bank and you invested in the bank, now you're making that withdrawal, right? You have, you have, um, you have the opportunity to now make that, that withdrawal because you've invested on the front end. And if you can't do that and you can't be confrontation with somebody, then guys, you don't have a relationship with that person. And that's a problem and that's a culture killer. I will also say that confrontation is not about power. It's about clarity. There are some people who are just uh, confrontation. They, you know, I mean, they want to show their power. That's wrong too. That's a culture killer. Confrontation to me is about clarity. I'll finish with this on confrontation. Never make it personal. Whether you're coaching your guys, whether it's staff to staff member, whether it's um, you and your boss, do not make confrontation personal. Doesn't have to be. Number eight. Create ownership by growing your people. Everyone should have at least one major responsibility within your organization. 
I'll say this to you. If you're a high school coach and you don't have a major responsibility within the team, they're doing you a disservice. You need to go sit down, talk to your coach. You're not growing. Everybody here at Loyola Marymount basketball has at least one, but they have many major responsibilities that if not done well, has a dramatic impact on our program. I also in that have distinguished roles and responsibilities for our staff and our players. For example, in our program, Coach Carter is in charge of scheduling. If the phone rings and it's, it's Ricky Johns and he's calling because he wants to start a home at home with LMU and for some reason he calls uh, 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 Coach Edwards, who's not in charge of, of scheduling. Coach Edwards doesn't go, yeah, you know what, Ricky? Yeah, let me see what I can do, and I'll, I'll get back to you. I think, no, 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 no. What he says is, hey, yeah, let me send you to the guy who's in charge of that, uh, uh, Coach Carter. Coach Carter handles that. I'm a big believer in that. Your responsibility is your responsibility. You don't give that responsibility off, and you don't take somebody else's responsibility. You do your job. There's, there's so much slippage I see in organizations because of that. What responsibility you're given, you do that to the max. And if somebody comes to you and that is not your responsibility, you lead them to that person. That's called being organized. As you continue to grow people, the, the one thing that I really believe in, you got to trust the people you selected. For me, that's my players and it's, it's the staff around me. All right. I don't want to micromanage my players or my staff, especially on the floor. If I recruit a guy and he's really good at shooting, or I know he's, he's a guy that's capable of breaking down the defense, I'm not going to try to make him robotic. And sometimes we do that a lot. I want guys to play to their strengths. But that's the same thing with my staff. I don't want my staff to be robotic. I don't want to micromanage them. I want those guys to play to their strength. But with that comes responsibility. I also then am relying on you to do your job at the highest level, man, and be on top of it. And if you're not, guess what? We're going to have a conversation. But if you micromanage somebody, there's no room for them to grow. The last thing on this, organizational improvement program. Have that. Think about that. Have an organizational improvement program. That could be clinics for your coaches. That could be books for them to read. That could be professional development opportunities, even outside of basketball. How are you growing the people that you're around and how are you growing yourself? You got to grow your people. Number nine, have a servant's mindset. Have a servant's mindset. I told you the first core principle for our program is selflessness. And I have to model that. And if, if selflessness is the number one thing in our program, and I'm not living that, I'm not living that, those are words. But have a servant's mindset. And understand, because you get promoted, all right, you went from the ops guy to assistant coach. You went from the GA to the film guy. You went from assistant coach to head coach. Don't become that guy where you think everybody's here to serve you. That's not what this is about. And it blows my mind. You know, I've been so fortunate to work with guys that, that understood this. But I've seen people who 
it's like, okay, I'm the head coach now. You have to do everything for me. I can no longer function. What are you in your leadership position doing for somebody below you to lift them up? Have a servant's mindset. Being a leader, which we all are on this screen, does not mean being served. It's us serving other people. Transactional versus transformational. The relationships we have should be based off what you get back. You know what, uh, Eli, today you scored 30 points. Man, I love you, man. Gosh, man, look at Eli, man. I, yeah, what do you need, man? I'll do that for you. Gosh, you know what? Eli sucked the last two games, man. Let's not talk to him. That, that's transactional. The people that you're around, are you, are, you, are you doing something for somebody to see what you can get back? That's a terrible way to live. As a leader, you must serve people before they can serve others. And I want you guys to know this, and I've seen it. Most of the things that we do is learn behavior. I don't know how many coaches in the profession have been treated like crap, and they hated it as assistant coaches. And then they got their job, and guess what they did? They treated everybody like crap. How can we change that? We have to serve other people so that when they get in their positions, they learn that so they can go serve. It's learned behavior. The number one reason people leave their jobs is because they feel unappreciated. They're not appreciated. Have a servant mindset so when people are around you, they feel like you appreciate them. Number 10, treat everybody in your organization like family. And I, I swear to you, I don't understand this. I really don't. And it really blows my mind. And I've seen this about everywhere I've been, not just, not just in terms of the basketball program, but just how people function. Like, why is it so hard to see our coworkers, our players, as members of our own family? Like, why is that hard? Why is it hard to treat people like we treat our own family? Because I promise you this, when you do that, it changes everything. The Gallup research shows, I, I was looking at this the other day, Gallup research showed that the employees who think their boss cares about them are more loyal and and productive than those who don't think so. That was from Gallup. But to me, that's an easy rule, right? If, if, if your kids can lay around um, in your living room, your own kids or family members and get themselves something to drink and make themselves a sandwich and, and fall asleep on the couch, why can't your players come to your house and do the same thing? If you would FaceTime your own kids and your own family member, why would you FaceTime the people you work with? And these guys probably get sick of me. I, I see Harris over here, right? I'll FaceTime these guys. I believe in that. I know all personalities are different, but to me, it's a really simple thing. Treat people the way you treat your family. Relationships in the workplace can't be professional or personal. To me, they are personal. It's personal relationships. And if you have that, it creates more ownership, and the best thing it does, man, now you have permission to be real with each other. The last part of step 10, I want you guys to know, soft is powerful. I'm going to say that again. Soft is powerful. 
Successful organizations understand the importance of culture, even though some see it as soft. You know how many coaches I've been around? Oh, yeah, soft. We're going to talk about culture. We're going to sit around, hold hands, and sing kumbaya. Okay. But the reason they do that is because the one thing about culture, you can't, you can't really quantify it. You can't measure it. So that makes it easy to ignore. But I'm telling you guys, again, culture is what you create and what you allow. And culture is where we should spend majority of our time. And in my four or five months now of being here, if you were to look at my day-to-day agenda and how I plan my day, I would tell you that 70% of what we're doing, whether it's externally, how our our program looks, whether it's internally, how we're connected to the university and how people view us, whether it's inside our locker room and how we're gonna function, 70% of my time is dedicated to culture. And the one thing I'll close with this before I take any questions, and I'm very cognizant of, you know, coaches take new jobs and they get to to, to a new school and the, the, the former coach is gone and nothing I despise more of, we got to change the culture. I think it's so disrespectful. Like the guys before them didn't try to have a culture. It's disrespectful. And I never talk about changing the culture because I have so much respect for Coach Dunlap. I have so much respect uh, for the people that even came before Coach Dunlap. I talk about growing our culture. I want to grow our culture. A lot of people have gotten it to this point. How can we grow it to even higher heights? And as you guys move on your business, be cognizant of that, man, and, and how you use that term and how you use that word and how you go about it. So again, like I said to you, this is LMU basketball. This is what we're trying to implement. This is how we're trying to live. This is not something.